Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Good morning and welcome to FBC Gather Online. My name is Sue Rinaldi and I'm the worship pastor here and one of the elders. Now hopefully you know (laughs) that the clocks went forward last night, uh, which could mean that many of you are still in your PJs and eating your toast and marmite. Um, Other people may be totally oblivious uh, the FBC Gather Online has already begun. Uh, So that's the whole clocks going forward saga. But also today is Palm Sunday, and that is the Sunday before Easter. Now, Christians recognize Palm Sunday as the day that Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And uh, on that day, prophecy was fulfilled. Uh, The prophet Zechariah recorded this event 400 years earlier. And I'd like to read you those uh, verses to begin with from Zechariah 9, verse 9. And uh, we're going to read them in the New Living Translation. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. At the time of Jesus, the Roman Empire was in control of Jerusalem. And partly what the Jewish people were expecting was uh, a political hero, Uh, somebody who would liberate them from political oppression. Maybe they were thinking that Jesus would come like a warrior, um, someone more like uh, Indiana Jones um, or Superman in sandals, Um, someone who would zoom in on a fleet of supercharged chariots and white war horses to save the day. Now, we know that Jesus actually did save the day, but didn't quite arrive like perhaps they were expecting. Now, Jesus did arrive, but instead on a young donkey, one that had never been ridden before. And what I love about the Palm Sunday story is that we see Jesus as a servant king. In fact, just before he entered Jerusalem, he kind of warned, he was trying to prompt his disciples about what was about to happen. Uh, his eventual mockery and his arrest and his crucifixion and his death and, and then how things were going to change, the resurrection. And uh, we read in Matthew 20 how he was saying uh, to his disciples about this. It's Matthew 20 verses 26 to 28. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think it's amazing how Jesus consistently modeled servanthood. And it's one thing as a church that we've actually been looking at quite a lot recently. uh, The whole Exploring Church Foundation series and the Scattered Servant books. It's almost like servanthood has kept being repeated by us in in different ways. How to be a servant, how to serve. And Jesus was just an amazing example of a servant king. 
Do you remember the, the fashion for, for T-shirts and bracelets and knitwear and anything else you could put this slogan onto? Uh, maybe it was tea towels or, you know, on your front door. And the words were, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus, he would serve. That's what Jesus does throughout his life and throughout his death. Jesus was just this amazing example of a servant. Anyway, let's jump back into the story. And Jesus was going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. We're told by many theologians that the crowds during Passover could be quite immense. So let's read the story from Mark 11, verses 1 to 10 in the NIV. As they approached Jerusalem, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you doing this, say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they'd cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Imagine the scene. Lots of people, <laughs> lots of palm branch waving and lots of hosannas. Now the waving of palm branches was, uh, it was like a sign of honor. It was a symbol of victory. And the word hosanna comes from a Hebrew word, which means save us. Hosanna is like a cry for help. And from here on, uh, as Jesus was entering Jerusalem on a donkey, the events begin to unfold, leading to Jesus' crucifixion and death, and then that amazing conquering resurrection. Suddenly, we're talking about a story that's history-changing, that's life-changing. And I guess my prayer over this time for us is the words that we say, Christ, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ is coming again. Those words, Jesus is alive. Sometimes we can just repeat them because that's the pattern, that's the rhythm of this time. Sometimes we repeat them in a robotic fashion, but I pray that those words, Jesus is alive, just make such a greater impact on us this year. From this story of Palm Sunday, I, I just want to bring out um, two points from this story that I felt God highlighted to me. And I just want to very quickly bring them to you this morning. So imagine um, the most famous person in the world. Who could that be? <laughs> it could be somebody from the world of entertainment or sport, uh, like Southampton football team. Um, <laughs> it could be someone from uh, religion or a YouTube phenomenon. But just imagine they came to Fleet High Street uh, in non-COVID times, of course. Uh, they, they were going to, to go down Fleet High Street uh, people would gather, people would be crushed together, they would throw flowers, they would cheer like crazy at this person, and people would expect them to arrive, I don't know, maybe in a hologram-wrapped three million pound LaFerrari. 
But instead of coming in like that, imagine that this famous person just cycled down Fleet High Street. Now, on one hand, that could be a gimmick. <laughs> but on the other hand, it, it could be just a real mark of humility. And the reason I'm saying this is because what speaks to me about Palm Sunday is Jesus could have arrived in something grand, maybe not a Ferrari, but some grand cloak or some grand war horse. But no, Jesus took on humility and just rode on a donkey. I think it's the word humility that really has spoken to me as I've been looking at Palm Sunday. And humility is not having a low self-worth. It's not putting yourself down. It is not a weakness, but as the theologian Thomas Merton says, humility is the surest sign of strength. And I love C.S. Lewis's quote, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Doesn't that sum up Jesus? And even that passage we read earlier, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, saying, this is what's going to happen. But actually, it's about servanthood. Jesus continually served. Doesn't that sum up Jesus, that the whole time Jesus knew why and for whom he came to earth? Jesus knew why and for whom he was about to experience mockery and abandonment. Jesus knew why and for whom he was about to undergo torture and death. There is a humility, but there is a humility that is a sign of strength. Let's read Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4 from the Passion Translation, because I think that really does uh, expand this whole uh, topic of humility. Examine your motives to make sure you're not showing off when you do your good deeds, only to be admired by others. Otherwise, you'll lose the reward of your Heavenly Father. So when you give to the poor, don't announce it and make a show of it just to be seen by people like the hypocrites in the streets and in the marketplace. They've already received their reward. But when you demonstrate generosity, do it with pure motives and without drawing attention to yourself. Give secretly, and your Father who sees all you do will reward you openly. May we model a humility like Jesus not looking for applause or accolades, not looking for titles, not looking to be clever in the eyes of others, but just knowing that the eyes of our heavenly creator sees it all. You know, we live in a culture where at times there's just extravagant privilege, where there's just unjust entitlement. Sometimes we live in a culture where people want to seize the the love of power, rather than exhibit the power of love. But actually, what did Jesus do? <laughs> Jesus modelled humility. Jesus modelled servanthood. May we be those kind of people. 
The other way God spoke to me uh, through this story is, is I started to think about what happened afterwards. And as we know, the Garden of Gethsemane happened after the Last Supper where Jesus prayed. We're told that he was overcome with grief. Some translations say that his soul was crushed and that he sweat drops of blood. This was there when Jesus asked his father if it was possible to take the cup of suffering away. Yet in the midst of the agony, Jesus said, your will be done, not mine. Now this was Jesus. <laughs> I think if I replaced myself in this story, um, obviously I'm not Jesus, I'm Sue Rinaldi. Uh, I, I probably would have tried the Star Trek line, like, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> or I would try the line that says, I'm a loser, get me out of here. But no, Jesus, fully human, fully divine, embraced his destiny. And I think what impacted me was that step of obedience that we're looking at this morning. That, that ride into Jerusalem on a lowly donkey. That step unfolded amazing events afterwards. It was one step, one step of humility, one ride of humility, actually, <laughs> that unlocked the incredible events afterwards. His humble arrival set the clock in motion for what was about to come, which was the greatest death-conquering act ever, and it made me think this. What will my next step of obedience unfold? What will my next step of obedience set in motion? My next step may seem lowly, it may seem strange, it may feel unseen, or it may be visible. I may not see the future, but I can take the next step. You know, there have been times in my life, probably quite a few actually, when I think back, uh, where I have felt overwhelmed, where I've not known what's ahead. I've felt paralyzed by doubt and uncertainty, where actually I've felt invisible to God. I've felt abandoned by God. I've felt invisible to others. Uh, I've not been sure of what was going to happen next. Um, I wasn't sure if there would even be a next, to be honest with you. And yet the main encouragement in those times was somebody or a group of people or friends or something I've read that simply said this, just take the next step. You may not see the future. You may not see above that mountain. You may not see what will be set in motion, but just take the next step. So maybe life has thrown a few detours for you recently. Maybe the past year has brought uncertainty uh, in relationships, in finances, in family, in your job. Uh, maybe it's brought a few disruptions uh, to your health. Maybe you feel overwhelmed, like there's a mountain to climb, and you're not quite sure what lies ahead. Well, please take encouragement from today, from the Palm Sunday story. Just take the next right step, whatever that may be, however small, however insignificant, however seen, however unseen, but that next step may possibly unwrap 
what's going to happen for your future. A bit like Jesus riding in on a donkey. Jesus rode in on a donkey, this servant king. But that was a step, that was a ride of obedience which unlocked all the future events. So this morning, take heart. If you're not quite sure what the future holds, just take the next right step. Let's pray. God, I pray very simply that as individuals, that we will bear the hallmark of humility, continually taking the right next step. And God, I also pray that we as a, a body, that we as the body of Christ, may we bear the hallmark of humility just as we recognize in Jesus, this servant king. And may we as a body continually be taking the right next step. In Jesus' name, amen.